The church has always had times of peace and times of harassment, if we can put it that way. There's different Herods, Herods that have come and gone over the years. And uh, today we're going to be centering on one in particular. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 12, the entire lesson is will be based out of Acts chapter 12. I often read a, a fellow's website, or I go to this particular man's websites for lesson ideas. And uh, I can't think of his name right now, but it doesn't really matter. Anyhow, I got the title of the lesson from him. And then I realized after I had done up the lesson, I had read over his lesson. Mark Copeland is the man's name. Um, I had read over the lesson, and then I did up my own lesson and realized that I didn't follow him at all. But I did borrow the title of the lesson from him. But I did also get some thoughts that were from him. So just so you know that these are not all mine. And almost all of the thoughts today are just straight from the Bible. A lot wiser than I can be anyhow. <clears throat> there seemed to be uh, some hardship toward the church almost from the very start. Paul, or who became Saul, was one of those main reasons why... Did I do something wrong, Colette? Ah. <clears throat> Saul, who became Paul... <laughs> on the road to Damascus, if we're confused at all. Thank you, though. I, I saw Colette's hand go, yeah. <laughs> Saul, on the road to Damascus. Up to that point, he had been one of these that had been out causing a lot of mayhem within the church. He was part of the group that saw to it that Stephen was killed. Saul was going out of his way to do harm to the church. But, through the persecution of the early church, it spread. Saul becomes Paul, and they go through a time of peace. There's a few scriptures I'll touch on here. Once Saul had his time on the road and made a, a turnaround, the church went through a time of more peace. Acts 9.31 <clears throat> Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Throughout the harassment of Paul's time, or Saul's doing, the church also spread. The church also had a time of growth. Acts 11 and 19-21, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only, uh, only among Jews. <clears throat> Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and, and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news and about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Both in good times and bad times, church grew. They spread. They grew. But then a new persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and this is Herod 
Agrippa I. And it was his grandfather who was Herod the Great, who had the babies all killed. Um, that was out of, uh, <clears throat> out of Matthew 2 and 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. That's Matthew 2.16. Herod the Great is trying to kill Jesus as a baby. His grandson now is, as we're going to read in just a few minutes here, is trying to do as much harm as he can. He's having Peter arrested. And he has just had James, the apostle, beheaded or killed. <clears throat> His uncle, Herod Antipas, I guess how you'd say it, he had John the Baptist beheaded. This is a lovely family. These Herods are just cream of the crop here, these people. <clears throat> That's out of Matthew 14, 1 through 12. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus and said to all his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but, be, uh, but, be, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in, in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl, who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. And this same Herod that is going to be dealing with Peter in prison in Acts chapter 12, it was his son who Paul has to go through uh, when he's on trial. So you have the different generations of these Herods here. The one we're going to be dealing with you know, is Acts chapter 12. If you're all there, I assume you are by now. I've said it a few times. Acts chapter 12 takes place roughly A.D. 43. So about 10 years after Jesus was crucified. So it's not a whole lot of time. But the church has gone through a time of a lot of persecution. A time of peace. And now we're getting on to the story here of today. <clears throat> First couple of verses, Acts 12, 1 and 2. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. This is James. His brother was John. The father was Zebedee. These are two of the apostles. Mark 3, 16 through 19 says, These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name 
Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Elphius, Thaddeus, um, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who is the one that betrayed him. That's Mark 3, 16 through 19. So James, he is a, an apostle. He is the first apostle to be killed other than Judas. Um, after the church began, James is the first one to be killed of the apostles. And he is not replaced. Do you remember back when Judas killed himself? He was replaced. James was not replaced. First one of the apostles to die, other than Judas. <clears throat> Acts 12, verse 3 and 4. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, this is having James killed, he uh, proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public, for public trial after the Passover. I always thought that these two events, James being killed and Peter being arrested, were within a day or two of each other. That's probably not the case. We're not told how much time went by. But as I read this over, and over and over and over this last week and different commentaries on it. Nobody knows exactly how long went by it seems but it does appear that there was some time that had gone by whether it was a matter of a week or a matter of a month I don't know that. But Herod wanted to please the population. How strange for somebody in government to want to do that eh? We have politicians today that will do almost anything to buy votes. Now Herod didn't need to buy votes, but he wanted the people to pay their taxes. So he wanted them happy. He realized that having James killed made them happy. It seemed to give them some sort of a thrill that he could harm the church. So he had Peter arrested. Now what was the intent of this? He had Peter arrested so he could likely have him killed. I don't think there's a whole lot of speculation going into that. I think that was the intent here. Now we had him arrested over the Passover, just prior to the Passover weekend. So he could not do a trial, and he could not have him killed over that weekend. We'll carry on with the story here out of, out of the Bible. Verse 5 of Acts 12. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. There'd be 16 guards in total that would have been taking care of this prison. Four would be on duty at, at all times for the night watch. Four different night watches. You'd have two of the guards would be chained to the prisoner, who was Peter in this case. Two of the guards are at the door. There's only one way in and out of this prison, only one door. Two guards right at the door, two guards chained to Peter. He's not going anywhere. 
so they thought. <clears throat> Verses 7 through 10. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. <clears throat> Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told, uh, the angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left them. Even Peter himself doesn't understand that he's being released. He thinks he's having some sort of a dream or a vision. And I can see it. You're chained up in prison. You've got a guard in each arm or each ankle. And you're fast asleep. That wouldn't be a bad dream to have. But it took him a while to realize that this is real. This isn't a fairy tale. This happened. This is something that really took place that God made happen. <clears throat> Verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent an angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. What is it the Jewish people were hoping would happen? What happened to James? That's what the Jewish people are hoping is going to happen. That Peter, the great spokesperson, it's going to be killed. <clears throat> Verse 12. When this, had, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, which many people had gathered, where many people had gathered and were praying. That's Acts 12, 12. This Mark is more than likely the author of the book of Mark. This is Mark John, or John Mark, sorry. So I can mix up lots of names up here, so that's not a problem. The church had gathered together to pray for Peter. And no doubt, they know what had just happened to James. They know that Peter has been arrested. You can get it, that they're, they are concerned. This is the part of the story that most of you know all, all so well. And we kind of have made fun over it over the years. So anyhow, verses 13 through 17. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and, and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for a different place. Servant girl goes to the door. They've been praying fervently is the word. That would mean with a lot of emphasis. 
praying hard. The servant girl, I don't know if she was part of the church or not. We're not told. She was likely knew what was going on in the room. Ghost answers the door. Peter's standing at the door. <clears throat> she doesn't let him in. Now, it would seem rather foolish not to let him in. She goes back, says to them, Peter's at the door. The rest of them don't believe her. Why not? Do we limit God? When we pray, do we really expect our prayers to be answered that directly? Not always. They were of the mind that Peter was in prison and that they were hoping, they were praying that something would change. Well, it did. God let him out. Verse 17, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for a different place. Why did Peter go to a different place? Probably so he's not going to be rearrested. We aren't told. That's my guess on it. This last week I saw this little diddly, or this little picture thing, on, on a, uh, online somewhere. The first picture goes like this. Sometimes in life everything goes smoothly. I don't doubt that a lot of you already saw this this last week online. First time I ever saw this. Sometimes in life everything goes smoothly. And it does. Things just kind of flow along for us sometimes. Whoops, I went too far. And sometimes unexpected happens. And that's so true in life. The important thing, knowing how to turn problems into opportunities. I thought this was kind of neat, since it kind of flowed along so nicely with the lesson that I was trying to put together. There are times that Things just don't go the way we think they should. And sometimes you've got to sharpen both ends of your pencil. Sometimes you have to change what your plan is. And I honestly believe that there's times that we need to change because God wants it that way. We need to listen as we're reading through the Word. We need to go a step beyond just reading and studying we need to let it sink right into our hearts. We need to pay attention to what's being said to us. Carrying on in chapter 12, 19 through 25 now. After Herod had, uh, had a thorough search made for him, for Peter, and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, he trusted, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's 
um, country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a, uh, a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their, set, their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. The people say that when Herod spoke, that he sounds like it's the voice of a god. And he doesn't correct them. And what does it say that happened to him? That immediately he was struck and killed. Josephus writes throughout the history of this same time. His account of it is slightly different. He said that it took about five days. Now I don't know what the word immediately means. Doesn't matter. Both stories suggest that in a matter of a very short time, Herod was dead. God basically filled them with worms and let the worms eat them from the inside out. Lovely way to die. And the reason that's given is that he did not correct them when they said that this was the voice of a God. Now, lots of times people would suggest that Paul and Barnabas or Peter or different ones, that they were speaking as gods. They always said, no, we are just mere men. Maybe Herod should have figured that one out. Sixteen guards are killed because God let Peter out of prison. I assume all of them were killed. We're not actually told that, but that's my assumption. We're told there would be 16 guards total. I don't think they were saying, well, it was you were on duty at that, that particular hour because they didn't know what hour. We do know that they were killed. So more than likely, all 16 were killed. James had already been killed. Herod is killed. Peter is set free. Who's in charge of all this? Who's the one in control? How easy was it for Herod to get worms in him, as the Bible puts it, immediately? Who's in control? Now, I spent a fair bit of time kind of doing the introduction. But the conclusion is way shorter. And there's really only one point. I want you to get it, and I've already kind of said it, that God is the one in charge. God is the one in control. Acts 12:24 said, With the death of Herod and the end of his harassment against the church, the word of God grew and multiplied. Back in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had been arrested quite a few years earlier than what the story we just read about. But there was a strong statement that they made at that, at that particular time. Acts 4, 18 through 20. 
Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. This is the same Peter who is arrested a time later. He hasn't lost his boldness. Now, Peter, as a younger man, didn't know his fare so well. But as an older man, Peter did really, really well. Both times, Peter is set free from prison. Acts 4, 23-31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against, the, uh, uh, and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had, uh, had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, con uh, consider their threats and uh, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus, after they prayed and placed, uh, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Who does Peter say is going to be in charge? Or who does the author here say is going to be in charge? Make sure it's God. Who's in control? Make sure it's God. So what's the point of all this? I read a lot of scriptures here today. The church can grow in good times and in bad times. Early in Acts, the Christians scattered because they were being persecuted. The church grew. Later on in Acts, Peter's released from prison. Herod is killed by God, and the church grows. When we let God be the one in, in charge, the growth of the church can always happen. I wanted to move this up one more slide at some point. Just so you have all three of them up there. In the bad times, the church bonded together in fervent prayer is the word that is used there. Do we do that? In bad times, do we get together? Do we help each other? Do we hold each other? Do we fellowship with each other? We need to do more. God is to be given the glory. God is the one in control. Now, I struggled with this this last week. Why was James killed and Peter not? Same king, 
What, was God sleeping? Could God not have released James? My first thought was, well, I guess James had more work, or Peter had more work to do yet. Couldn't James have done something? And I came to the, to the conclusion that I didn't have a conclusion. God was the one in charge. I don't need to know why James was killed. I do need to know that James was killed and Peter was not at this particular time and that God was in charge. God's ways are so much above our ways. From the reading that Dustin gave us out of Romans, it talked about paying your taxes. It talked about government, that God puts the governments in place. Man, there's times that I just wonder, really? Like some of the leaders that we seem to end up with, like, but God says that he puts them there. Pray for them. Sometimes they seem to need a lot of prayers, but pray for them. God is the one in charge, in control. God's ways are way above our ways. One last sentence for you. Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Always. Thank you.